Hello, everyone. My name is Katie. And I'm Mingus. And welcome to Recruitment on the Go, your daily bite-sized podcast about all that you ever wanted to know about recruitment. In today's episode, we are talking about inclusion. We have a very special guest who will provide us with an introduction to what inclusion is, and we'll also discuss why a lack of inclusion is a problem to be solved in recruitment when you are trying to achieve a diverse candidate pool. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Today, we are joined by Kyle Snyder, a trained linguist with a background as a data specialist and researcher who has been researching topics of inclusion offline and online since 2016. Studying how people use language to create a culture of inclusion in student organizations at Meritans Institute, investigating how online communities use language to discuss topics and foster inclusive culture online at RNW Media, and investigating digital approaches to inclusion like accessible software, digital content, and linguistic inclusion in recent side projects. Well, Kyle, it is such a pleasure to have you on today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited. So I well, let's just jump right into it. I guess that's the burning question. And the biggest question is, what is inclusion? Yeah, a big question. Uh, well, to start, it's important to note that humans are incredibly diverse and uh, culture changes over time and also shifts in different contexts. Therefore, there's no way to be 100% sure that you're being inclusive in practice. So we can address what we know now, and as researchers and organizations learn about what inclusion is, approaches can be developed and refined over time. So inclusion is a, is a hot topic, uh, and it's, it has been for a couple of decades already, and it is visible across industries from nonprofits, universities, and research institutions to large corporate tech companies. Inclusion essentially means that no one is excluded out of intent or bias. In recruitment, no one with the ability to perform well at a job is excluded from a recruitment process due to intent or bias. Inclusive practices are the strategies and approaches we take which result in inclusion. So, for example, saying, hey, you all, instead of, hey, guys, is a common classic practice of using inclusive language to address people who may or not be guys. And when we say, hey, you all, Everyone will respond instead of just the guys, if you had said, hey, guys. So it's quite practical as well. I really like that example because especially with casual language, we don't even sometimes realize that we're we're using non-inclusive language. Um, but to sort of speak more broadly, what is the industry? And when I say the industry, um, I mean recruitment. What's the industry problem with regards to inclusion, if you could break that down? Well, from a, from a recruitment perspective, uh, you want people to feel included from the start, right? And so that's either when people walk into the office uh, to, to shake your hand for an interview, but also your first contact with uh, a potential candidate is seeing, uh, seeing a job advert. And so from a recruitment point of view, you want to... I would, I would suspect that to hire a diverse pool of candidates, you also want to include them from the beginning. And the beginning is actually when they first see the adverts. So the goal of, of, of recruitment is to, at the moment, hire a diverse, uh, or at least bring on a diverse pool of candidates. And we can do that through the strategy of inclusion. So inclusion is actually just a means uh, to get there. And um, can you break that down for us even further in terms of um, do you get different types of inclusion on like, um, so if we're talking about job ads, like what type of inclusion are we referring to? 
Yeah, and so like what I mentioned uh, a bit earlier, humans are incredibly diverse. But we, what we do know now is that there's different types of uh, diversity that we can tackle that are uh, easier to, uh, to come up with solutions for. And these are things like, uh, that are more on the surface level, like uh, linguistic inclusion, gender inclusion, literacy inclusion, uh, industry inclusion. There's also other types of inclusion like age, class, and uh, other cultural dimensions, but those need um, more advanced uh, research to, to address. So should we just go through each? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess the first question then with regards to all these uh, types of inclusion you just mentioned would be, I guess I'll go to the first one. You mentioned linguistic inclusion. Can you break that down for us, what that means? Right. So uh, humans are incredibly linguistically uh, diverse and languages around the world can vary, even if they have the same name. So if we look at uh, the Electronic World Atlas of Varieties of English, we can see that there's 76 varieties of English spanning North and South America, Europe, Africa, South and Southeast Asia, Austronesia, and Australia. And we know that many countries have multiple official or national languages as well. For instance, India has 22 officially recognized regional languages. So when you're creating a job advertisement, are you really creating uh, the advertisement with a language that people have access to, as well as uh, the the variety of the language that people uh, speak? But this this will be a factor in advertisements as well as language tests. If you also conduct language tests for your candidates, so advice to approach this issue is that you can write your advertisements in the languages and varieties of where you're advertising to localize the text to the intended pool of can of applicants. This is actually a practice that localization uses uh, in order to make sure that content is localized huh. for uh, the language of the the audience or the users. Uh, maybe a, a classic example is. Um, Portuguese in Portugal versus Portuguese in Brazil. Mm. Maybe you are hiring a uh, CSM in Brazil uh, and you need to make sure that the CSM uh, can communicate to the clients in Portuguese. Mm. But maybe the company is a Portuguese company. Mm. Well, should we test the candidates for the CSM position yeah. in Brazilian Portuguese, the, most likely the potential language yeah. of uh, their clients, yeah. or in Portuguese uh, from Brazil? This is where we actually see it in a really practical case. That's a really interesting point that you bring up because as companies do grow multinational or international, um, and especially they want to pull from different candidates across the world, you know, that's a common practice. And so, for example, if we were even to take um, U.S. English versus U.K. English, you know, you'd have to localize that. But I could imagine that that could be a little difficult. So what are the practical tips on that? Are, how hard is it to manage localization of job ads? Well, I think it's actually easier than a lot of other content that's floating around that we've come into contact with. So actually, uh, when I worked in localization back starting 2011, uh, this was for uh, surgeon manuals, actually. And so there are, uh, there are language service providers and there are uh, translation experts that understand the content of what needs to be localized. So maybe they are actually specialized in uh, organizational translation, translation of, uh, of job or recruitment uh, documentation. So they have that, uh, that understanding of the industry. And then they also understand the, the languages that you want to, to publish content in. So uh, the, the approach would really to be, uh, from an organizational point of view, identify where you're hiring, 
make sure that you understand the languages of the people that you want to hire mm-hmm. uh, and then creating content that's localized for them. So uh, for, for instance, like uh, using my own, my, my own example, I'm from the U.S., but if I was, uh, if I was applying to a job, uh, maybe for uh, a company that's uh, mostly uh, using Newfoundland English, I would fail their English test maybe because uh, I would call a horse it, but they would call a horse she. So mm-hmm. you see that these like very like subtle differences just within one word actually have a big impact when we consider if a candidate actually has the skills linguistically for a job. Sounds very interesting. Um, I'm just thinking, so for someone that doesn't know localization, could you explain what that is? Uh, Yeah, so there's a difference between localization and translation. Translation is going from one language to the next or one language to multiple languages. But localization takes in all of the social and cultural aspects of the population that speak the target language. Mm. So in this case, it would also, uh, maybe in Brazilian Portuguese, there's different terms for for automobile or car, and but mostly the the grammar is uh, similar, um, but that's also uh, debated. We could also debate if, if languages even have a name at all. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Okay. Uh, but yeah, but indeed that this is the difference between translation and localization. So in recruitment, you have a very specific uh, context and in industry. You are you have very uh, a specific uh, content you all want content that's culturally relevant not just the culture of the society that you're uh, working in but also culturally relevant in the terms of the products that you create or the services that you provide is it uh, a cultural context of uh, a tech sector is a cultural context of mm-hmm. uh, a sustainable development organization and so localization is really about taking the uh, the context uh, to translate uh, along with it it's actually interesting that you bring up um culturally appropriate language and not just culture culture but uh, but business culture and so i'm wondering you know if you're hiring for a very specific industry um or maybe you're hiring for a very specific position and in your job ad you use sort of jargon industry jargon could that exclude people with transferable skills who might be useful in that position but don't know the jargon right yeah and that's also the thing is that jargon gives us a tip right when we someone includes jargon in their application we go oh they're familiar with this field but indeed many other people can learn jargon and uh, we may even be able to learn jargon quickly on the job and that's something that we could ask ourselves Um, but also industries have an incredible amount of jargon so if we want to be inclusive of the industries that people are coming from which are really take a look at what jargon is being used in job advertisements. So I think it's really funny that uh, industries have an incredible amount of jargon like SEO, MVP, LSP, DTP, RegEx. Uh, RegEx is actually a personal favorite of mine because in 2007, uh, RegEx was called RegExper and uh, now it's more familiar as uh, RegEx. It stands for regular expressions, which is a type of uh, characters, uh, uh, patternistic characters used in programming and scripting. Uh, But also, Different industries have different words for the same concepts, meaning people can quickly learn a new term for a concept that they already know. They can learn this on the job. Um, what I also find very interesting is that different industries have the same jargon for different concepts. So let's take the example NLP. 
I want to ask myself, is that natural language processing from linguistics and computer science, or is it neuro-linguistic programming from psychology? So the, the takeaway is that jargon-heavy job advertisements uh, reduce chances of applicants with transferable skills from other industries from applying to your adverts when they can likely just learn the jargon on the job if it is necessary for success. So the tip is to write your advertisements without jargon, and especially without your organization's own jargon, which sometimes we are not even aware of anymore after we've worked in the same industry and the same organization for a while. Uh, so in this way, we can make text more accessible to a broader applicant pool. Uh, the only thing that might be interesting, though, is that jargon is really heavy on uh, key vocabulary. It is actually key vocabulary. So if we control jargon in job advertisements, maybe this will actually impact uh, potential SEO strategies that you have. Uh, I'm not an uh, expert in SEO strategy, but I think, yeah, maybe Mingus, as a, a content marketing expert, this is something that you would, you would flag. Yeah, so I would say with regards to SEO and um, writing your job ads, that um, if you're doing that, you don't have to really worry about keywords that much. And the reason for that is um, uh, algorithms now have developed over the years, right? And, and it got to a point where it's easier to understand what someone is looking for or what the search intent is. So I would also maybe advise and say, when you're writing your job ads, just write for the people you're trying to attract and not focus too much on the keywords, which then complements your point around jargon you know like trying to avoid jargon so i definitely agree on that okay super nice yeah typical uh, content <laughs> uh, approach um kind of jumping off of content and writing um and and focusing on how you write your job ads is um the hot topic of gender inclusion mm -hmm. you know recently we discussed that specific words exclude different genders and I was hoping that you can shed a light on that. Yeah, so again, like any other uh, uh, social dimension, humans are incredibly diverse and humans are incredibly gender diverse. Some languages like English have pronouns which may or may not cover the range of this diversity. Um, but longstanding uh, social linguistics research has uh, investigated the correlations between which words are used uh, as well as a relationship to, to gender. And Certainly, there's organizations uh, already out that have, have done this as well in specifically uh, trying to tackle um, gender language in job descriptions. So uh, approach that you, one can take is depending on the language, use pronouns which are not specific to one gender over others. So in English, use you instead of he, she, or they, although they is becoming quite uh, popular now and it is neutral. Um, so you may, have, uh, you may have text in your job ad uh, which says you will be a specialist instead of she will be a specialist. Um, you can also avoid gendered language completely by investing in research, uh, but this can be quite a long process. Uh, Texio, for instance, has studied gender bias and key phrases, for example, throughout different organizational processes. Um, if you have in-house experts in text analysis or computational linguistics, gendered language can be identified within your organization and even in historical documentation as well. Um, of course, with more research, you can identify how maybe even using a term like specialist could exclude mm. certain uh, certain people. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point that you bring up, because there are even um, some research that I've seen out there saying things like strong, mm -hmm. um, you know, little things that you write in your job ad that you're not really thinking about, because like we've been talking about this whole time is that it sort of comes second nature. So 
what can the everyday recruiter or HR manager do to make sure that this is something that's sort of indoctrinated in their job ad writing if they can't really invest in someone to specialize in this just yet? Mm. Yeah, so indeed, um, yeah, already uh, keeping an eye on uh, the use of pronouns, but then also using, I might suggest using in-house resources, just have different people within your organization uh, edit. This is kind of a more classic example that we use to, uh, to control uh, documentation, but have have a, a real life uh, audience at your disposal to use to, to edit and maybe they, they, they can also highlight um, some text that they maybe they wouldn't apply uh, maybe also a b testing is becoming quite popular in uh, a lot of tech companies maybe a b test versions of your of your content whatever content that may be in this case uh, job advertisements <laughs> Well, that's all we have time for today. Tune in tomorrow to hear more about how to achieve a diverse candidate pool with inclusive job ads with our guest Kyle Snyder. Don't forget to download your free copy of Kyle's 11 tips on how to write inclusive job ads. You can find the link in the podcast description.